Welcome to the PHLY Sixers Post Game Show. Somehow they had to get it done. We have to somehow figure it out and get it done. I'm Devon Givens with Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner, Tyler Zuli producing. And, uh, well, they had to play the basketball game. They figured out in the fourth quarter that they should win the basketball game. And they did that fifth in a row. Fellas, what's going on? Well, unlike you, I did check my microphone prior to the show starting so i'm doing i wouldn't even say i'm doing well i'm doing adequately which is more than i can say about the sixers performance tonight that was an absolutely excruciating game i know i've railed on back-to-backs in the past this might be the last straw for me to ban (laughs) back-to-backs from nba basketball entirely i don't care how mad it makes old people who watch games in the 70s and 80s when they they played back-to-backs all the time and were fine. I can't watch it anymore, but uh, at least I'm here to commiserate with you two after the game is what I would say. Derek, they did yeah, win I mean, by look- eight. They did win by eight. That's That's something, right? I will say the only thing worse than having to watch that game would have been driving in the studio to watch that game. So I'm happy this ended up happening on one of our snow days. Fair point. Fair point. Well, they win 97-89, fellas. Fifth win in a row, 28th win of the season, 28-13. and 13. Joel Embiid again getting into his 30s once again. Of course, he made sure as things pretty much looked in, in hand to, down the stretch when he was in the game uh, with the other starters and the other teammates there on the floor that he reached his number 33-10 and 10 for the big fella. And it wasn't pretty. Second night of a back-to-back for both teams. Sixers had to travel. Charlotte did not. Charlotte beat the Spurs last night, the Sixers' next opponent on Monday back here in Philadelphia. But, I mean, for, for this one, it was really about Embiid being Embiid, Tobias Harris late in the game, uh, as the Sixers coming into the fourth quarter, trailing in the frame uh, to start the fourth quarter. Tobias Harris hit some early buckets there with that unit and turned turn things around. Daniel House played well. To, to Tyrese Maxey did enough with his 16 and, and they got this one done against a, a bad Charlotte team. Yeah, I guess let's start with a little bit of positivity after I wanted to just turn my TV off and go to bed, quite frankly. I, I will send a personal thank you to Tobias Harris for his play in the fourth quarter, for allowing us to avoid what otherwise would have been just a complete catastrophe of a postgame show and the reaction to it, you know, I know that we stress all the time that it's just one to 82 and you don't get too high. You don't get too low, but you guys know as well as I do, no matter what happened the rest of this week, if they lost to that version of the Charlotte Hornets, it would have been DEFCON one trade everyone. They got to get Zach Levine. They got to get this guy type of stuff. And just very similar fashion to what he did against Denver the other night. I thought Tobias Harris came out in the fourth quarter gave them that needed spark as a scorer that they they were desperately looking for. You know, Joel Embiid ended up getting his 30-plus, as you said, Devon. But but even for him, it was not like the the rip-roaring, ultra-efficient 30-plus that he's he's gotten recently, some ups and downs from the mid-range. And so getting that push from Tobias – is what put them over the top. And look, it's it's what we say all the time. When when he plays with that type of mentality, the the aggressive mentality, especially those those minutes early in second and fourth quarters where a lot of bench guys in the game, he's generally going to be 
one of the most talented guys on the floor. He can leave his stamp on the game. And, and that's when they were able to create, I know it was only like probably like four to six points of separation at the time, but in the context of that game, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. Absolutely huge minutes, huge production, and big part of why they won that game. Yeah, I mean, they were just looking for any kind of jolt of energy. Um, and I thought Tobias gave them that in the fourth quarter. You know, I thought Joel obviously came out strong, gave him 15 in the first quarter. Uh, Tyrese had a little bit of a, a spurt there in the second, but really throughout most of that second half, they were just slogging. And Tobias and a little bit of Daniel House gave you just enough to uh, to overcome what was a, a really sleepy, horrible game. And look, it's a back-to-back on the road. Both ends of the back-to-back on the road, you're only really looking to come away with a win. They did that. Now 25-6 and six when Embiid plays, and that's about all good I have left to say about that game. <laughs> uh, well, look, the Sixers defense also turned up. You mentioned House, uh, Derek, and the Sixers defense turned up, and they started turning the Hornets over. They had about six turnovers early in that in that fourth quarter to allow the Sixers to get out in transition, and as a result, you know, getting out in fast break points, it was six to two. But they coughed the ball up four. Uh, how many times total? Nine times in the fourth quarter alone, Charlotte did, and a lot of that was early, allowing the Sixers to get those positions that they needed going the other way. They were plus four in terms of possessions there in the frame. But uh, it, it was it, it was one of those deals where they needed something, as you said, a spark to happen. House gave them some good minutes, but it was Tobias Harris. And this just goes along with the Tobias Harris as of late that has played so well to to have them have somebody else to go to when Maxie doesn't really have it as he's seven for 22 and be 11 for 23. Not a bad shooting performance, but a Kyle, like you said, it wasn't one of those Oh, 33 and 10. He just destroyed the Charlotte Hornets again. Yes, he was getting the stuff that he was getting and he's Joel Embiid. So he's going to hit that that number, especially when you have P.J. Washington defending him man up and some double teams coming you without LaMelo ball. This is going to happen. And they found a way to figure it out. And Tobias Harris was a big piece of that. And that just continues to add on to the week. Well, the last two weeks, I'll say two and a half weeks that he's been having where he's played as well as he has. And this is this is what we said when he was struggling at the time that he was. He started the season on fire, averaging 20 plus part of four players, including Oubre, to average that 20 point number. Then he faded again. And Derek, like you talked about at the time, he's going to have a stretch where he's going to play well. And for the past two and a half weeks, he's done that. He is being a little bit more selfish with his aggressiveness and taking the basketball and beat his calling for it. Maxie's calling for it. And he's just going. He's just rolling. Even again, like we talked about last night, even when it's a negative play in terms of it being blocked or a turnover or something, it's aggressive. He's looking for his and not just relying on his teammates to get something done for himself. And you brought up D house early in that point, Devon. He exemplified something that it's really silly to have to think about it this way because they're professional athletes and all of them are in great shape. But like in these back-to-back scenarios, most of the time it's just who has legs. And I thought Derek made a good point on Twitter heading into the fourth quarter. I almost would have thrown Terquavion Smith out there, or, I mean, you could make an argument for Ricky Council as well. I had a pretty good idea that you'd agree with me on throwing Turk out there. (laughs) Well, but I'm saying it could be Ricky Council on top of that because they just needed somebody who could move and run. Like, if you look at a lot of those, their three-point percentage was horrendous tonight. And if you go back and rewind the tape and made a super cut of all those, so many of them are just short, 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 
front rim, front rim, front rim. And D House was one of the few guys in that rotation. Looked like he had the legs to play. And in the fourth quarter, as both teams are worn down, Charlotte was on a back-to-back, admittedly a home back-to-back. D House was one of the few guys who had something left to give in that game. And so hitting the floor for some loose balls, getting up the floor in transition, scoring a, a tough N1, getting a couple rebounds that they desperately needed because this team has struggled with rebounding in general. Uh, I thought he played a pivotal part in that game because sadly <laughs> there was just a big opportunity for somebody to leave an impact on the game. Yeah, diving on the floor, getting out in transition, knocked down and knocking down in, in the minutes that he played uh, his only three-point attempt, and he was three for four from the floor. Uh, just running around, I saw Al, our friend, two-minute warning, say he's just always in checking into the game with a bunch of energy, just full of energy, Daniel House is. Sometimes it can go the wrong way uh, for Daniel House where you get him out there and he's running around that 100 miles per hour, and the next thing you know, he's being pulled from the game. But tonight, this was this was one of those where he, he really did come in and, and play, and that energy uh, was a positive uh, for this team because they needed every bit of it playing 27 minutes. Without Patrick Beverly, he would have been another one had he been healthy and not a scratch with the illness tonight. He would have been another one, of course, that would have come in and provided some sort of energy for this basketball team. And that to Quavian Smith or Ricky Council the fourth. That was absolutely right, Derek. I mean, throwing one of those guys in there just to give you something without Springer, without Beverly, just to throw uh, someone in there to to provide something. You saw it with Furkan Korkmaz early on. Yes, he got a bucket. And and then Furkan Korkmaz, some other times, you're like, all right, this is why Furk doesn't play. But trying to find some minutes, trying to fill fill those gaps there uh, for, for Nick Nurse. The Furk... Yeah near turnover or turnover i guess it, it turned into a jump ball in the final minute of the game i that was i was about to be like wave the guy tomorrow okay I, I can't see that stuff anymore <laughs> yeah i mean look i i, I honestly i thought Ferk gave them some decent like energy at least like he gave him a little bit of juice off the balance i thought Batum was was pretty big and that he came out there and he had energy and pretty consistent energy um, so just those those little guys who were, you know, you're, you're it's weird because your main guys led you, but also there's just so little lack of energy. I thought Kelly was pretty bad in this one, uh, but you had just enough guys step up against the worst team, certainly the worst offense in the league, especially um, without LaMelo in the lineup. I mean, that was a game they should have won by 30 points. Uh, you don't want to complain too much about it, but they just didn't have any, any energy all night. And the Ubre, the Ubre point. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because uh, with with him, two for seven and his his five points. You know, I expected him to come out, especially against his former team, and and with the opportunity there, second night of a back to back, some of the others struggling. I, I really expected him, and maybe I just gave him too much credit for this, but I expected him to come out and play much better against the, the Charlotte Hornets, and to go out there and do something with the with the opportunity that he had here knowing that he's the one that's going to be starting for these games where Melton is out. But once again, against his former team, when a lot of times you feel like, hey, you know what, I get up for this game because of the mere fact that they didn't bring me back. They didn't extend me to a longer-term contract. They Maybe he had some issues with his minutes and how he was used before, and he wanted to take it out on them. And although we have, this is not the first time we've seen the Charlotte Hornets, 
was just an opportunity for him to take take the reins there and, and take advantage of of something there tonight. Sure, 23 shots and 22 for Maxi, 15 for Tobias Harris, but there were opportunities, I thought, for Kelly Oubre, and he was off. He just didn't look like he, once again, it's kind of like that player, Kyle, that we talked about in the beginning of the season. Oh, I would hear you guys talking about almost reverting back to that very same player. Yeah, and I th- don't think it's a coincidence that they made their closing kicks in – the Nuggets and Hornets games with Kelly being stapled to the bench for the entire fourth quarter, right? And this is a night especially where you just needed anybody who's healthy to play, right? And on paper, Kelly's one of your top guys that you have available based on what we've seen this year, body of work. But I don't know, man. There's just He has really lost himself lately where even when he's having good games, it's been like one good half and one like, eh, he's been okay type of half. And his bad games have gotten a lot worse. It's a lot more of the, I'm going to take a pull-up contested three with 19 seconds on the shot clock or or do something silly. Like, I, I don't care about the the, the kick out where he got the, the foul call tonight that that got mm-hmm. overturned, whatever that, that happens. But... I, I don't like how off script that he's gotten offensively. Like if they're designing plays and they want him to get downhill, he attacks the basket. I like that stuff. The pull up jumpers with the hand in his face with time on the clock. I just, I can't get down with that. And I he, can't imagine Nick nurse is happy with that. He had one with 18 seconds left on the shot clock where he brought the ball up himself just right into a pull-up jumper. And it's like, Kelly, what are you doing? Like, you can't, this is the exact way that you don't make an impact. You don't stay in the rotation, that you don't get the minutes you want, that you don't get the touches you want. It was, and then he got beat, uh, got caught roaming off ball for a, a open corner three on the other end. Just a real bad game. Yeah, and look, like, to Nurse's credit, he's only got so many guys available, right? And with the house having a good game, he's like, well, screw it. We're just going to roll with the house down the stretch mm-hmm. ends up working out. Sixers end up closing out the game. And it's, I do give nurse credit for how he's managed Ubre throughout the year. You know, when Kelly was in a good, good run of form, shooting the lights out, playing well on defense for the most part, Nick was giving him, you know, 25, 30 minutes on a given night and saying, I'm okay with you. Like we'll live with the odd bad possession here or there, the odd bad shot here or there. And now that he has kind of, you know, become more of a hit or miss guy from play to play, we're seeing Kelly Oubre lose opportunities late in games. And so that's that's probably something also to keep an eye on as we head into the trade deadline because I think Oubre has been considered one of their – I mean, he's not getting moved, right, because he's on a minimum deal and can't really swap him with anybody for – equivalent value i guess you would say but i don't think he's going to have a big role when it comes to the playoffs if they get any kind of upgrade in here on the wings yeah and we were just talking about the conversation just having the conversation uh, about him remaining in the starting lineup when melton uh, does come back just because of how his length his size with with that starting unit even though melton plays very very good with that starting five I don't think that's much of a question right now, at least as of late with how things have been going. But, hey, you know, maybe he needs one of these great uh, great things you're about to tell us about there, Kyle. Maybe he needs one of 
those great bagels man yeah listen man you know bagels if you want some consistency (laughs) in your life Kelly Oubre is not currently offering I encourage you to go and see our friends at Bagels and Co because they offer huge Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philadelphia I eat bagels several days a week for breakfast and Bagels and Co offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels that rotate seasonally they had a Christmas themed bagel that was on Beautiful display during our Reading Terminal Market show, and I'm sure they have lots of upcoming themed bagels for you to for you to eat if you go down there and check them out. If you are a cream cheese guy, and I will only eat cream cheese with my bagels, none of that butter nonsense. Although no hate, none mm. who's a butter guy, butter mm. guy or gal, but they <laughs> offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese, and they rotate those throughout the year. Bagels and Co. also do themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams including the Sixers. So go down there and see what a five-game winning streak tastes like. And guys, just as important as that variety is the affordability because Bagels & Co. has kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. They even offer premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains. I think that's a great deal, and so does Derek's cat in the background. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you as my dog makes his own noise in my background. We also want to make sure that we tell you about Rocket Money. Uh, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap, and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com phly. That's rocketmoney.com phly. Rocketmoney.com phly. All right. And looking at looking at Embiid and his 33 and 10, 11 of 23, getting to the free throw line again. He was 11 of 12 tonight, 11 of 4, 11 last night from, from the charity stripe. And pretty much, as we talked about earlier, did the Joel Embiid stuff where it, it's not breaking news with with how he with with how he plays. So uh, with it, you know, seeing him play again tonight against this defense, was there any stretch there? Because for me, there was one stretch, and of course, I was talking back and forth with our guy, and you know, the ball got stuck a little bit from time to time. Uh, and and for me, a lot of times when I see it this way, at least with how the game is going, they're struggling. He's trying to do something, and maybe he can overdo it in trying to trying to do something to get them their points on the board and get the offense flowing because they're having one of those off nights. And, and tonight I only saw that for, you know, one stretch there in the game late in the third quarter, and that's when the Hornets took the lead, had their run, the Sixers took it back in the fourth. But uh, overall, how did you feel he, he played tonight with his, his 33? It's a quiet 33, 10 boards, three block shots, and five assists. So he's hitting his numbers, of course, but what, what were you guys' thoughts? Derek, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he came out 
and I like that he was attacking off the dribble early. Uh, like I, I thought he had a good level of, of aggressiveness. Um, you know, and and there were some jumpers that probably he could have made, but then uh, pretty good effort, I thought, on the glass, especially on the defensive glass. As that game wore on, the, the Hornets got a bunch of early offensive rebounds, but if they're going to steal this game, that was one area where they had to clean up, and I thought they did. He didn't really commit too many bad turnovers. It wasn't an excellent Embiid performance in any real respect, uh, but it also wasn't, like, of all the problems, I thought he was pretty low on the list, and he did end up with, you know, 33, 10, 5, 3 blocks. Um, it wasn't, you know, we're so, like, 33 points for him is below average, which is crazy to say, uh, but in a historic season, um, no, I thought he was fine. Of the two stars, he was definitely the one who struggled the least, um, but he also wasn't dominant outside of that stretch in the first quarter. Yeah, I would say this. Uh, Tyrese and Joel had, I think, 70% of their shot attempts. Yeah, at especially in, in the first half, you would have liked to have seen them get a little more involved. That's Yeah, true. so I, look, on the one hand, Joel is the only guy who really had anything going all night, and even he didn't really have anything going. It was just that Charlotte has absolutely nobody who can guard him on a normal night, and they were down two bigs. So you throw the ball to the guys being single covered by P.J. Washington and say, thank you very much. I'll take those free throws. I definitely understand that approach. I do think, though, that probably played a big part in the – overall offensive stagnation and the struggles for the other guys, the inability to hit shots. Now they might've thrown up bricks either way, because there were points throughout the game where Joel was playing jumbo point guard and transition on the break. And Marcus Morris took a three that it was honestly one of the weirdest missed threes I can remember because it was way short, but it was also way to the right. And it still somehow hit the rim. It like hit the, backside front of the rim which I, mm -hmm. you don't like ever see that happen it was completely disgusting so that's not criticizing marcus that's just like look these guys clearly are at the end of a long week and this is what you have stars for is to get you through the end of a long week the other guys are simply not talented and don't have the conditioning enough to to carry you through that game but I do think there probably should have been a little bit more of a, a pointed effort to get the rest of the guys involved before, you know, Tobias had to try to take over in the fourth quarter. Cause I think the, the effects of that were felt throughout the game, but considering that they won, Joel got his points. They all, we all live happily ever after. feels like I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit. No, yeah, look, that's I, why I asked the question. I, I think, yeah. I think the second and third quarters, he played like a, a player who felt like, they could turn it on at the end and he's Joel Embiid and they don't have a Joel Embiid and they'll get the win. And quite frankly, they could turn it on at the end and get the win because Charlotte is Charlotte, especially when they're without the players that they were without. Um, so like I said, I, I thought he came out strong, finished strong. The middle portion we won't talk about ever again in our lives. It was a tail end of a back-to-back -back Joel Embiid performance. And I think they did just enough that we don't have to come on here and rant. And for that, I'm grateful. Thank you, Ash. 25 and six now with the big fella in the lineup. And Money Mars says that was the worst wide open three pointer he has ever seen in his life. <laughs> uh, from, and I remember it, Kyle, it was from that left wing, right? Where he found he yes. was wide open. He caught him on the left wing there. And I was like, okay, let's see if this one goes in because nothing they were attempting from behind the three point line was going in. Let's see if that, but it went over the rim, as you said, and uh, grazed the other side. 
and and somehow hit the rim. And it was it was it was it was impressive actually to be able to do that uh, uh, for him. But you could even see it too with uh, Embiid and, and the guys in terms of the effort, where there was that one one stretch on that one possession where I think the Charlotte Hornets got two to three offensive rebounds, and and he wound up hitting a, a three pointer uh, there. And it was they were just watching the basketball. They were just watching it. And he was he was also a part of that and B because they they just had dead legs. And it's not an excuse, but it is what it is when it comes to the second second night of a back to back. Even though he only played thirty plus minutes last night, thirty one minutes, just under thirty one minutes, and had the remarkable game that he did. Kyle, you're right. This is the fourth game of the week, and you know they won all four. Uh, of the games that they've had this week. So it's Charlotte. It happens. There were comments in our in our chat as the as the uh, show started where many people were saying, if this was a Rivers game, that's a scheduled loss because <laughs> of how he would have how he would have approached this game. Now, I will give him this. I'll give him credit for this. When guys would go down, he would coach his tail off when he had to dip into the bench a little bit more or if one of the stars were out, he would coach it a little bit differently but to the the point of what they were mentioning if rivers was coaching this one you know a lot of people felt like this would have been a scheduled loss no i mean look i will give doc we had a show last week where we all gave doc shit for like 45 minutes that was a majority of one of our shows last week one thing i won't give him too much grief for is the schedule loss comment you don't say it as a coach but i largely think it's true we've been talking about it all year where a back-to-back is barely an nba game now, it was a back-to-back for both teams in this instance, so it was a little more evenly matched in terms of the schedule, although Charlotte didn't have to travel. But these are not real basketball games. They're not re- representative of what a team can do. They're not representative of the actual concerns that you will have at the end of the season when we get to the playoffs. There are no back-to-backs in the playoffs. This is just get the win. They were able to do it. It was not pretty at any point during the course of that game. It doesn't really matter. On to the next one, which, uh, which, which I will not be on, which... Uh, my second miss show of the season, but I'm sure you guys will knock it out of the park. Well, where, are you, where are you at on your graph, Derek? Don't yeah. you have a, a chart? Well, it's 61 for Devon, two for Kyle, two for me now, once uh, okay. once Monday comes around. All right, we're going to be tied. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be tied. Yes, Uh-oh. you're right. <laughs> uh, sure. Yes. Okay, I, I will say this regarding effort and Joel and just – if we're going to nitpick about the the team in that game, one thing I have not liked lately, and this is not just him, it's the team-wide problem. Their rebounding has just been so much worse lately. And I think it's even more ridiculous to get, there was a possession at the end of the first half where I think Charlotte had three offensive rebounds on a single possession. And this is a game is the same where one we're talking about probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three offensive rebounds on one possession. And it's not like they had any bigs available. <laughs> like, you can't even be like, oh, they have this center. He's a great offensive rebounder. They have, like, you know, back in the day when Kenneth Fareed was on the Nuggets, and it was like, he's not a center, but that guy yeah. really mixes it up. He comes in, he changes the game yep. as a rebounder. Charlotte Hornets don't have anybody like that, and they're not a team that generally is, like, oh, man, you come into the game fearful that they're going to crush you on the glass. So I was really disappointed with the effort there because I think we're going to look at the box score and see how Tyrese Maxey played 42 minutes, which is awful. Should not have to do that. 
Joel Embiid played almost 37 minutes. Tobias Harris, 35 minutes. And the initial instinct is always to say, well, why would the coach do that? Like that, that gets put on Nick. It gets put on guys like Tibbs, et cetera. Well, the reason they had to play that many minutes is because these guys fucking dogged it for like two full quarters of that game. And if you just close out more possessions with normal defensive rebounding process, then this is probably an easy 15 to 18 point win at least. And we all get to watch Ricky Council the fourth and Terquavion Smith and B-Ball Paul do their thing in the final few minutes of the fourth quarter. Instead, because of the basically their own doing, these guys end up having to play way too many minutes. And at the end of the long week, they're not resting on the sideline the way they should have. So on the one hand, you sympathize. I get they're all tired. They're just trying to get through it. They get the win. That's the most important thing. But I think with like a little more mental sharpness, attention to detail on the glass, they get out of there with a much easier W. And you're right. The talent wasn't there. But, you know, you have guys like JT Thor, who's trying to keep make, make sure he earns his minutes. Um, Mensa trying to earn his. Nick Smith Jr. is out there. And they have five offensive rebounds between them in the game to give them those, those guys are going to get after it. Similar to what we're talking about with Daniel house, more established, but these guys are trying to stick in the league. So they're going to go out there and they're going to hustle. So they're going to, they're trying to, they're sitting there outworking your guys. And at that point, as you said, we're just picking at something, even though they got to win on the second night of a back-to-back fourth game this week, that is something that we've seen just as Derek has talked about you and both of you have talked about their defensive rebounding numbers, not being so good. You have to know the personnel that's on the floor always and making sure that you're going, not just Andre Drummond or Nikola Jokic, these types of fantastic rebounders. They have to know who's out there on the floor, even when there are guys like this who are trying to earn their stripes in the NBA, especially against a a very good team like the Sixers. They, They have to be on point. Uh, But if you want to see the Sixers extend their win streak to six and do so on Monday back here in Philadelphia after a two-game quick trip there, got the place for you. Game time. Make sure you head to South Philly, courtesy of game time, to check out Philadelphia Hopeton, San Antonio. Maybe the battle of the two bigs rivalry week, even though they've never played against each other. Buying tickets to your favorite uh, events shouldn't be stressful, and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. We are, as a team, going to take a trip to a theater and watch something. We'll let you know when we do it. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best prices guaranteed, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. And we'll have fun at the theater, courtesy of Game Time. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets, images of the seat view, so you'll know exactly where you're going to be in the the place that you're going to be watching at the venue, and easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Uh, Planning months in advance shouldn't have to worry about that if you want to do something last minute game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for 20 dollars off of your first purchase again terms apply 
Create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, I will say we have a, a comment here from, uh, where was it? It was from Robert. He said that a lack of talent and depth is revealed in games like this. I do want to point out they were missing Patrick Beverly, Robert Covington, DeAnthony Melton. We'll throw Mo Bamba in there too. Jaden Springer, like all, all of their depth was pretty much out. They were losing, they missed a lot of people. It's not, you know, I think their lack of talent can sometimes show when they lose one of Embiid or I guess theoretically Maxi, even though Maxi doesn't miss games or days like today, even minutes. Uh, but there you can really see the lack of a top end talent and how that can impact them. The lack of depth from today, I don't think they lack depth so much. It's just all their depth, especially some key players, is uh, is out of the lineup. And when you talk about Melton and Beverly both being out, like there aren't many of those dribbly type of guys anymore. There's just not all that many left. You rely on those two quite a bit, probably more than you should. Um, but I don't think talent or, or depth per se is uh, is revealed in a game like today. I would almost galaxy brain it and go the other way and say depth doesn't matter. Like really the only thing that mattered in that game is Joel Embiid was the best player and the best player was a low bar in that game. But I don't think there, is there a single other player who had like a noteworthy performance? Like Brandon Miller, maybe Terry Rozier that it was like nine for 18 and on decent efficiency, but like wasn't blowing anybody away. I yeah. like, I don't know. I think, Joel was the best player and he carried you through the game and showed that like against the bad teams, the depth is not really a compelling argument, I guess. Yeah. And I, I guess I give Harris that other nod just because of that's true. That's fair. the fact that he had that, that moment there in the fourth quarter when they needed the most, he had some stuff early on to finish with that 21. He had 10 points. I believe it was 10 points in the fourth quarter. Did he finish with uh, overall 10 points yes. in the fourth? Yes. Had 10 in the fourth. Yep. Right, yeah, and he was four for eight, 11 for he, he squeezed off eight shots in 12 minutes, and again, that's what we're talking about, that aggressiveness from him. So I, I, w- I would give him the nod on on that one to your question, Kyle, out, and it outside was, of Embiid. It was also another night where they extended the lead with Embiid on the bench to start the fourth, too. They had an 11-2 run to start the fourth to sort of take, take um, control of that game, and Tobias, I think, had six of those 11 points. Uh, so another key stretch to get you back in a good position for when Joe comes back on the floor. You weren't in a position where you could have kept Joe on the bench for the entire fourth quarter like you have been for so many times this year. Uh, but Tobias was absolutely huge during that stretch, for sure. I wanted to ask you guys about the week. Uh, we talked, uh, You talked about it, mentioned it earlier, Kyle, and we've just thrown it around a little bit. You know, They go undefeated for the week, two back-to-backs, a very, very good win against Denver at home where Tobias, as you also talked about earlier, helped to close that game out when needed. They win by five. Uh, on their home floor against the defending champions. Just overall, a, a good week for them, a good basketball team. Again, when they have their skid, they lose three in a row. Now you bounce back. The next thing you know, you win five in a row with an opportunity to start your week off on Monday uh, against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. And they have a pretty good schedule upcoming next week. But just looking pat- looking back at this week, Kyle, what were your thoughts? Just overview since we've break- broken down all these games with four post-game shows, but Handling their business like we talk about often, 28 and 13 right now. We could talk about that a little bit more next week. But this week in general, four wins in a row, did what they were supposed to do. So here's number one takeaway and most important thing. I know I've been, I feel like I've been Mr. Negative on this podcast. 
after Tuesday's game against Denver, was it Tuesday? Am I forgetting? Yes, it was Tuesday. Yeah. After Tuesday's game against Denver, very high possibility that you feel yourself a little bit. You say, okay, second half of back-to-back, reigning champs, reigning finals MVP come to town. Joel kicks their ass. We get a big national TV victory. They very well could have come into this weekend feeling themselves and said, we're going to mail it in against Orlando. You fuck around, you lose that game. They clearly did mail it in to some extent in Charlotte tonight. And they could have either split these games, gone 0-2, and instead they found ways to win games. Like didn't have their best stuff and they found ways to win. And like tonight, as much as we're bickering about it, in the end, it was a relatively easy they were up by double digits. They pulled their guys in the final minute. Of course, the remaining depth players they had, Furkan, et cetera, decided to turn the ball over and make it interesting. And Joel and Tyrese and them had to come back in the game. To it was actually it comical, off. man. It was actually <laughs> comical. It's like, come on, guys. You can't the ball get them. Went like, all the way across the floor. <laughs> 45 seconds of rest. You can't get these guys. <laughs> But to the credit of Joel and Tyrese and Tobias and, you know, select few role players who helped them out throughout the week, they're able to take care of business. And, like, when we get to mid-April when the playoffs start, the thing that matters is not how pretty all 82 games are. Not to say that the process doesn't matter, but you don't have to have, like, a parade inspiration performance every single night. You have to put yourself in the best position for a high seed. They are still tied in the loss column with the Milwaukee Bucks in a position they might be able to get the two seed. Boston finally lost their first game at home. I I don't think they're going to be able to overtake them for the one that will require, you know, a, a bill of health for Joel that's not really realistic. But to me, the professionalism is the most important thing. And Derek brought up the scheduled loss, and I tend to agree with Doc in the sense that it does exist, but it's important that we're not hearing those things said out loud, those excuses made and verbalized out loud, and that these guys are in the mindset of we can and should go and get every single game on the schedule. And by the way, you brought up the Bucks. The Bucks just lost by 40 to the Cavs, and they just gave up a 135 spot to the Detroit Pistons tonight. They won that game, but their defense is in shambles. We've mentioned it before. They have a, a pretty tough schedule coming up here. They've had a light schedule through this point of the season. Uh, that will be uh, that'll be fun to watch. I'm really just curious to see how they hold up. Uh, Derek, on Monday, as you said, you're you, you know you, you're gonna have your second day off and well deserved. Uh, but kind of previewing and looking ahead to the uh, San Antonio game with Victor Wembanyama, we'll see if he's available for the game. He missed the game against the uh, Hornets on Friday. Uh, what are you looking for in that one? Watching, catching up like you will always do, catching up on that game. What are you looking for from Wembanyama against? You mean looking? You mean looking forward to in the game that I won't be covering? Yes, but I know you'll go back and watch it. Yeah. No, I mean it's I I. Curious to watch him play, and it should be an easy W. It's perfect. It's perfect for the Sixers. Uh, that is one of the worst defensive teams, if not the worst defensive team in the league. Uh, when was what's when was the last time they won a game here? Oh, no, they, they picked one up a week and a half ago. Uh, more recent than I thought. 
Um, no, I, I, I think Wemby is great fun to watch, and I think that team would drive me pretty close to insane if I had to watch them on a nightly basis, so it's perfect. It probably says a lot that Pop is like green lighting, trading for DeJounte Murray that they're yes. interested in. They're, he's so desperate to, to get a <laughs> real guard on the roster. He's like, didn't we have a guy named Murray a few years ago? <laughs> get him back in here. And like, look, some of it I, I put on, I think I said it on the show. I put some of it on Popovich because this Jeremy Sohan at point guard experiment. Yeah, that was bad, man. Completely insane. And they've looked when the the less he's played there and the more they've used guys like Trey Jones and the more that they've, you know, started Devin Vassell, who I don't know why. I know it worked with Manu, but maybe don't try to recreate that on a much worse team. Devin Vassell coming off the bench was just a really weird situation. So I think with Vassell starting, they've stabilized a little bit. So they they have some interesting guys on the team outside of Wembenyama, but it's another one where if they don't win this game, the Sixers, I mean, everyone will be rightfully pissed. So hopefully, yeah, and it's especially a, when you're coming off of two days of rest, there's no yeah. excuses then. Yeah. 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 Um, women Yama, they did beat the Wizards tonight, 131-127 in Washington. He did play. He had 24 on 10 of 21 shooting in 28 minutes, eight boards, four assists, six turnovers, six blocks women Yama had mm-hmm. tonight. And speaking of Jeremy Sochan, 23, 8-4-11 from the floor, Kyle, uh, in that starting role. And Showed Trey me Jones. that MFR. <laughs> and Trey Jones starting 11 and 12 assists. Um, Champagne 11, former Sixer Champagne. How about that? And ni- 19 for Keldon Johnson off the bench for the Spurs. So they did pick up the win there, 8 and 34. And uh, we get to see Wembenyama on Monday. I will say, yeah. I am very excited for the in person Wembenyama experience. Yeah. The The games I've seen of him both early in the season, but definitely recently as they've made it to, to national TV. He just does like three or four plays yes. a game where mm-hmm. you're like, is that real? Like did I, I have, I've had to re- rewind the, the DVR as the game is happening. Like that shot actually went in, like I, he didn't travel there. And it's like that, the kind of stuff in a similar vein as like young Giannis when he first came into the league and I was like, Oh, he just euro stepped from the three point line. Did I? Are you sure that that just happened? Am I tripping? Is that right legal? So, right. Yeah. Is yeah. that legal? <laughs> right. So there's some of that, but you know, Wemby steps out and shoots threes. He does other stuff, and their their game is a lot different. We'll say that between him and Young Giannis for sure. But it's always one of the. I, I'm always excited when there's a new, fun, exciting young prospect to just get that first in-person experience because it doesn't even have to be like a a top, top guy. Like I remember the Sixers playing Memphis. I don't remember how many years ago this would have been. It would have been Jaron Jackson's like rookie year or second year. First time he had played in Philadelphia and Joel Embiid had a run out for a potential dunk. And I just remember Jaron Jackson on like a dead sprint, and then pterodactyling through the air for a chase down <laughs> block and like going over the top of Joel Embiid. And I was like, oh shit, this dude can move. And so I want to see some stuff like that from 
from Wemby. Maybe not the exact same thing, but just some like, oh damn, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. It's always well, you know, B's you know B's gonna be ready for this one. Nationally televised game, rivalry week again, or well, rivals week, whatever they 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 term it. The NBA does. Uh, you know How? he's going to be up for this. How That's are the what, Sixers and the Spurs rivals? I guess it's because of the two big men, even though they've never played against one another. Right. right. And they've never played in a playoff series against each other. Like, what the hell are we talking about? I thought it was ridiculous when the Sixers played the, the Nets a couple of years back in rivalry week. I think that was before the, the whole Ben thing went down. Yeah, but at least it's, it's, like, Atlantic, we, it's the Atlantic. It's the Atlantic. Division. Sure. But like, they've never been good at the same time. No. What are we doing here? Uh, that was the Atlantic division. I'll let that one go. I didn't mind that. <laughs> I guess uh, foreign big week doesn't have the same ring to it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, every MVP candidate nowadays is foreign born anyway. So, like, you know, there's uh, better rivalries. I'm just saying. Yeah, Fair no, point. I Fair I understand point. your uh, your cloud that you're yelling at. It's just, you know, what, you, what can you do? You. The NBA has got to market it somehow. I guess. I'm just saying if you're, if you're going to have a rivalry, actually put rivals in there and don't just call them rivals. It, I don't know. Like they did with Jokic and Embiid last year when they did that. And they yeah, faced off on that good. Saturday. That's, that's a rival. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by well, the way, we see the people in the chat talking about DeJounte Murray. Yes, he did hit another game winner last night. We'll talk about that next week a little bit more. <laughs> yes, yes, Devon did send a text to the two of us when it happened. And I did yeah. see a uh, – there was a Hawks fan in here somewhere who was like, don't get tricked by DeJounte. He fooled me too. <laughs> so maybe that's a good uh, good I way mean, to end the show. Or start he was one. seven for 21 for 18 points before that game winner. So he was part of the reason they needed a game winner in the first place. Yeah. yeah How no many times do we it. say it's not about the, the 12 that you miss. It's about the 13th that you make. Especially when you win back-to-back nights, man. That's a closer, Derek. Come on. That's- that's an ancient NBA proverb right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kyle, we got some people we want to say thank you to out oh, there. Oh, we got – well, first of all, it's Resonato was the Hawks fan who just said, do not believe his lies. He is a front-rim <laughs> phenom. So shout-out to Resonato phenom. I like for the that. Atlanta Hawks intel on our show. <laughs> Everybody else, as always, thank you for being with us on a cold Saturday night after a very cold shooting performance for the Sixers. Shout out to Aspy, X-Man, Ronald, who's always on some crazy what shit. What up, Ron? Jay of the Jungle, SMY guy, Alton Williamson, Charlie Hendrickson. I think I already said Jay of the Jungle. I'll give you a second one if so. What up, Jay? Money Mar, our guy, Brian Knight, Robert Levy, Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats, the two-minute warning, our guy Al. I can't forget up, about Al? Al. Finney Chase, Bootzilla. What up, Al? Big Sax. Thank you all. For... Devon, you mentioned Al earlier in the show. I'm like, but you didn't do the whole what up thing. What's, what's going on here? You can't say his name. It's a Saturday Al night, man. We've had, come on. borderline a member of the show at this point. <laughs> yeah. He is. He is. Thank yeah. you all, even especially the people that I did not mention. If you could, on the way out, hit that subscribe button and hit the bell icon to get notifications Ding. each and every time that we go live on this show. And if you hit the thumbs up button, Maybe it'll make my dog stop whining and barking at me while I'm doing this show. And I would appreciate that a great deal. We will see you after Monday show. Derek is off. So our good friend, Rich Hoffman, will be in studio with Devon. I'll be checking in from the game. We will see you guys then.